Welcome to another episode of Connection to Experience. I'm your host, Penny Conway, Senior Program Manager for Workplace Transformation. And today we're going to be talking about the digital signage really phenomenon. Uh, You may see when you walk into your favorite Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts in the morning that your maybe more traditional signage, menu signage, has been transformed into a digital screen. Or maybe when you're pumping gas, you're being constantly advertised to today. We are going to dig into exactly what digital signage is um, from an organizational uh, transformation point of view, but also how advertisers and retailers are using it as part of their omni-channel strategy. Today we have with us Toby Mackey and Patrick McCusker, who are Connections, real experts on the digital signage industry and our programs. So Toby, why don't we start with you, a little bit of an introduction around what you do here at Connection and what brings you to the podcast today. Thanks, Benny. I am a Senior Product Manager and Digital Signage Practice Manager. So here at Connection, uh, been here for a few years, uh, came up on 26th this year. Just a uh, few. Just a few. <laughs> might say I've grown up here. Uh, well, gotten older, let's set it that way. Um, basically, uh, I manage the practice that oversees all of our digital signage strategy. We have people out in the street. Patrick's one of them. He works on our enterprise side of the house. And we go out and help people develop strategies around digital signage and produce a solution so that they can move forward and deploy signage. Awesome. Patrick? So I'm Pat McCusker. I've been with Connection for about 10 years now. I'd like to tell people the easy way to think of what I do is if you're looking for a monitor and it's not going on a desktop, I cover that monitor and all the stuff that goes with it, not just the monitor itself, but how to make it work, how to make it um, useful to your organization. Like I said in the the intro, I feel uh, digital signage has been one of those things that is popping up that maybe we're not even noticing really where it is. Like I, I see a menu board that's been replaced with an LCD TV. I see uh, elevators have TVs in them. Gas stations have TVs in them. But, you know, outside of the things that are more blatantly in our face, what are some of the, the uses that are popping up for digital signage that maybe people haven't really thought that that's where it's, a screen would go? I think it's not so much thinking of where a screen might or might not go. It's it's what goes behind making that screen work. Uh, you take the the coffee shops that are around, for instance, and today it's you know, miserably cold and rainy and, and awful. Taking those screens and using the data of it's really cold out today and knowing product A, B, and C, you know, hot coffee, a bagel, what have you, tend to sell better on a cold and rainy, miserable day. Um, that's really what they're doing is they're taking these screens, printing up these ads, and then making them uh, dependent on that piece of information. So that data that it's cold and rainy makes it run ad A as opposed to ad B, and they sell more of that during that time. So it's really not so much the the screens popping up in interesting places. It's, it's the interesting use cases that have popped up around them that you really just don't see. So that's taking, you know, one of my favorite topics ever is focusing a little bit around artificial intelligence, analytics, um, not only like giving information to uh, make a consumer make a decision, but almost lead them to a certain decision with the data that you have. So I think that's a small example of taking, you know, the what the weather is. If it's 90 degrees, you're, you're advertising iced coffee. If it's 30 degrees, you're advertising hot coffee. Um, but are you seeing organizations sort of take 
the analytics and the, and I might be getting like way too into this for just starting, but I think the whole point of digital signage is that it's, it's a flow and it can be changed easily and it can be directly marketed to someone in a certain place to accomplish a, a single goal. Are you seeing sort of analytics behind the screen that are helping people sort of create content and lead to better, you know, decision-making or purchasing. That's sort of the key to digital signage and making it successful. Um, the, the ones you see, you mentioned earlier, Starbucks coffee shops, you know, Dunkin' Donuts here in New England. Yay. Um, but the ones you don't see, or you don't think about are the ones that are like in a manufacturing facility or healthcare or um, education, high ed, um, all of those are areas that they're using data integration um, to create either dashboards or information. So, uh, for example, we have a, a lumber facility, if you will, or a lumber company out in the Midwest. There's a case study out there about it. They integrated digital signage as a communication tool to, one, help educate their employees, to show what they were doing, to actually utilize it. They've got their whole yard mapped when the logs come in based on zones almost like a shipping yard the way they map out a shipping yard to know which container has what they do the same thing with wood so they know what needs to be replaced what needs to be replanted what needs to be used what they pulled out of it um, and then they're using that in uh, a knock or a network operating center that's how they're running the lumber yard you know, do you think whoever would have thought you a think, lumber yard right, is you being think run a, by a knock, right? <laughs> so at the end of the day, but by that, they're like one of the greener lumber, you know, right. lumber producing facilities out there. They're one of the, I think America's largest, um, that they're using digital signage to communicate with their employees, to communicate safety. And at the same time, they're also using it in the yard to increase their efficiencies and actually be greener company. Um, healthcare can use it in wayfinding or you know in administration information to the clinical side of the house or patient care. It's some of the things that we don't see and don't use as what makes signage for for me exciting um, in the sense that it's a communication tool. It's an engagement tool. Mm. Um, should be part of your digital uh, communication strategy. Everybody has them, whether you're a small business or an enterprise level company. You have to communicate to your external facing people or audience, whether it be a customer or you have to in communicate to your inside, your so, employees. And that's always, I think, um, I, I never really think of that. And, you know, we have digital signage around our own office and you get to see, you know, who's made certain accomplishments, uh, you know, upcoming events and things like that. But I never truly kind of took a step back and realized that, uh, you know, it's more than just a, oh, look, so-and-so did a good job or we have this event coming up. But typically there's a, you know, or I should say historically, there's sort of not as much communication coming from an executive level down to an, you know, a, a, a floor, like at the lumber yard is a perfect example. Like those guys that are in the lumber yard probably don't have a, a strong stream of communication from the owners of the lumber yard. So is... Is it being used inside of an organization to kind of have more of that executive voice and like bringing groups together? Or do you think it's more of a like, oh, there's, you know, pick up your turkeys um, next Thursday for Thanksgiving or um, we have an event this spring or, you know, things like that, the more menial that is just replacing an email. So how, I guess how, how is it different from an email communication? How is it being leveraged? 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a great example, actually. I mean, we're in the middle of a job down in Florida right now where we just started um, helping the VP and C-level executives uh, communicate down to the 200 some odd branches that they have. And it's not necessarily retail. It's sort of somewhere between healthcare and retail. Um, but that, that's exactly what they do. They take their messaging to say, hey, we've, we need you know sales to increase on X, Y, or Z. Here are the locations that are hitting it. You're the location that's not. Uh, And when they have that sort of broad communication that they want to send out either via video or audio, um, we're integrating that into the system. So the folks come in early, they sit for half an hour and watch the C-level executives talk. The end goal of that system is to communicate on a day-to-day basis, but it allows that C-level communication to happen as needed as well. Um, and that's, you know, for us, that's starting in the back of the house. We're not even approaching the front of the house in, in that application yet. So how are, I, I know sometimes like on an executive level, there's always a, um, sometimes a, a resistance to creating content to, especially video. Don't you, don't you find a lot of executives like a really hesitant to get on video and like record something and have their words like set in stone forever? Um, that's why they do like company emails, like from the desk of things like that. But um, what kind of what how are executives and the kind of the communication st- strategists that are working this um, building content? Like, is it I guess that's always my question. You see all these screens. How is all the content actually getting on there and how is it updated and how is it fresh? Is it all through the cloud? Is it USB based? What are how are companies doing that? So that's probably the biggest question I think we have uh, an answer for. Um, it's a lot of things. The, the, the trend is towards the cloud. There are still some more secure organizations who use premise-based servers. We've been walking away from what we call SneakerNet, that USB concept, uh, for the past 10 years pretty effectively. Um, the challenge is, is, you know, when you get down to that level where someone can interact with it, it tends to get interacted with in a way you wouldn't like. So when we start putting that content in the cloud and managing it in the cloud, not only does it get simpler to manage uh, larger deployments, but you have uh, a broader control over the content that goes in there and generally the, the ability to run more complicated control. Um, but a lot of that, I mean, it kind of goes back to the analytics that we talked about and the data that we talked about before, uh, because while the management platform is an essential component of it, the industry is trending towards that data and analytics almost running the system on its own. So tying the content that you've built in your system to a live data source to change it. So, you know, an example would be in a retail organization having the uh, point of sale system say, we're out of item X, stop running a sale on it, go back to our evergreen content. That's the sort of thing that, that used to be hand done and is now done automatically by data triggers within that system. Retail, I find really fascinating from that point of view is because retail, um, obviously, we're all compelled to buy. That's the goal of all the advertising. That's the goal of every single shopping mall, of every single store. And I think stores, you know, retail specifically is starting to use it not only to say we have this product, but we have this product for you and we know it's for you and this is how we know it's for you. Um, and that kind of goes back to the, the the analytics piece and the the art of, you know, sort of big brother artificial intelligence. But what kind of um, what kind of data is being pulled to really customize the the retail experience 
for a consumer. Um, I and I I watch Black Mirror on Netflix. I'll give a little advertisement to to Netflix. Uh, but they had an episode where you know this girl's entire life was based on likes, and she basically had a like bank, and you could move into this condominium if you had this many likes, or if you had no likes, this is where you had to live. And there was a, a part of the episode where she's walking through a shopping mall, and the advertisement is literally changing as she walks through, and it's all tailored to what her like bank was in that moment. So if she's a loser, it's telling her how to not be a loser anymore. If she's a winner, it's telling her that she can move to this condominium or she can have this or own that. Um, how far away are we actually from that kind of real-time advertising to us as consumers on a retail level? Uh, yeah, that's here. <laughs> um, uh, it, you know, that that specific example, I, th- I think we talked about it before, but the, the, the there's, you know, monitoring software in China that if we had access to that data, we could do exactly that. Um, Because for us, the content triggering the content that we have is just dependent on the data that we're pulling. So the more access we have to it, the better targeted the the, the advertisement's going to be. What you may not know when you walk into stores, and and I'll give everybody an exercise for next time they do, is when you walk into a store, look up. You'll see some this little white or black box with a couple of cameras on it. It's called a people counter. It's how they know you're there. Their Wi-Fi will ping your phone and say, hey, I'm here, and your phone will respond whether you have their app or whether you're looking for it or not. And at that point, they know two things. They know you've been in the store, and they know exactly where you've been, and they know how many times you've been there. The the, the Wi-Fi routers are recording your MAC address. They're recording where you've been in the store. They generally know how long you've been there, and uh, they can sometimes tell if you've purchased it. That's without an application. That's without actively doing anything. So without engaging with the store's application at all, if you have the correct equipment, the store can target ads to you in general, as opposed to specifics. If you start downloading their applications and leaving Bluetooth on, then boy, do they have everything on you. Um, If you're shopping online and you leave something in your cart and you're walking into a store and you've got their application, they can say, hey, you were looking at these shoes. How about 10% off? Do you want to take them with you today? There's a whole lot they can do once you're in their ecosystem. But make no mistake, Outside of their ecosystem, there's tons of information they have on you without really even trying. We're just going to have a moment of silence. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm literally thinking back to, I was at Target. Welcome, Penny. <laughs> it's, you, you know all of this is happening. Like, it's impossible to, to not know that all of this is being collected and mm. being used Everyone's goal is to sell you something. So Mm -hmm. it's no surprise that they're using data to sell you more things. But I was actually at Target uh, a couple of months ago, and I don't have the Target app, mostly because I forget about it and I forget to use it. And scanning things with my phone just is like a giant hassle. But I was walking through the store. I had things in my cart. I bought a couple of things. I got home. I checked my email like later on that night, and it's like, Hey, did you leave something in your cart? I'm like, did I did I leave something in my cart? I like they and they had a list of items that I had actually like picked up and considered buying. And I I think I bought most of them. I actually think that night I went and looked at my receipt to see if I had left anything in my Mm -hmm. cart. But I didn't even dawn on me that and I'm I'm wondering how how did they like how they know how they see how they I don't have the app but that's exactly yeah. how they know there's yeah. cameras all around it's pinging my phone it knows my email address I've I'm somehow in targets 
ecosystem, even when I'm not sitting in their ecosystem. Um, but that is wicked creepy, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. You can take it to the next level when you're standing there in front like uh, I, I pretend I like to cook. Um, <laughs> or pretend I can cook. I was going to say, you do to like to it. cook. It I just like may not cook, be good. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're looking at an Instapot or something, and just coincidentally as you're sitting there, you pop up, there's a digital sign there, and all of a sudden you start seeing social media influencers. You know, Bob, hey, you know, this is great. I can right. cook all day, you know, and I don't have to touch a thing. Da, 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 da. You know, cut my cooking time in half. And you're like, wow, everybody really likes this. And, I mean, they've done studies. And, and you know, we're a society today that when we make purchases, most everybody's going to look at reviews. Right. They want to see, oh, it's a four and a half star. Or it's a 4.7 star. Or, oh, this person liked it for this use. That's the same thing I'm doing. Great. I'm going to buy it. And that wasn't coincidental. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, I mean, in a way, we always, like, this is the, we say black mirror is, this could be what happens. But in reality, it's, you know, it's happening around us. Do, you know, when you guys are working with uh, different clients, specifically around retail, I'm sure that this whole concept is extremely exciting to them. Like, it's it's part of their strategy. I was I was reading up on um, sort of a, a a big retailer or designer uh, Burberry. They were like one of the first stores to really implement like a massive digital signage strategy in in their headquarters in London, which I was fascinated by. But they had uh, put sixty percent of their marketing budget into um, social media channels. Uh, in the year, I think it was 2006 or so. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, so it was a while ago, but they, they were seeing like the industry was growing. Like, they're, you know, for those of you who are listening that don't know what Burberry is, think of the trench coats you see that you open up and it's got that really pretty plaid in it. That's who Burberry is. Um, but, uh, you know, their competitors were seeing a 12 to 13%, you know, increase in the industry, and they were only growing at 1% to 2%. So they had a new CEO come in. Her entire strategy was digital transformation. Like she knew she had to set apart, set herself apart. She needed to to raise, you know, really up the ante, equip the whole store with signage and speakers. I think she said she put um, like a hundred a hundred screens and five hundred speakers in their London headquarters, and sixty percent of her marketing budget into social media because she thought just that, like what you were saying, Pat is if I can get my product in front of them, if I can have them interact with my product, have them talk about my product, look at my product, when they step foot in my store, I can now go back and see what they were actually interested in buying and my sales staff can target them for what they're buying. Mm -hmm. Like, that is fascinating. So what, like, are retailers that you're working with today, like, thinking really strategically on it being part of their digital transformation or are you seeing some go, oh, we'll just put up a few screens and promote a product? Like, are you seeing both ends of the spectrum? And how fast are you seeing it sort of move towards that AI side of the house? I'd say there's definitely some early adopters. But, yeah, you're still seeing a, a gamut, whether you're talking full-blown C-stores or whether you're talking retail and, and you know, cap in the malls. Um, or you're just talking about a small boutique. Um but yeah, uh, the strategy runs the gamut and what they can do. We have an, um, one of our partners, probably five, six years ago now, they had some of the early um, interaction-based. Um, they worked with a shoe retailer, 
uh, sporting goods. And you walked in as a giant digital display. It's interactive. But at the same time, once you picked up the sneaker off the rack, it would all of a sudden pop up the the actual sneaker. And they'd have a little video, and then you could interact with it to find out more about it. Oh, this is a running shoe, you know, da-da-da-da-da, negative degree, whatever. And, And move on. And from five or six years ago, the capabilities are just mind blowing. Yeah, I think it's hard to get that. That's the, the the longest, more difficult conversation you'll have with a retailer or, or anybody for that matter is, it's not just a screen that goes on the wall. Yeah, we can give you some stats on on you know motion and video and stuff like that, increasing sales, and you can do that. You're perfectly happy to do that. But if you really want to take advantage of the investment. Um, digging into data sources, analytics, uh, you know, using the information that you have trapped within your organization to make that messaging more effective, relevant, and, and really remembered uh, is, is powerful if we can get there. Yeah, it's almost like tribal knowledge, but yep. real time. Tribal knowledge, but real time? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the if you are, you've run out of one particular product, um, you know, in a particular region, I mean, you can narrow it down to a store right. or a region then the system can go in and automatically do the analytics on, okay, well, when we run out of this, we sell more of this. And you can, oh, you can yeah. right, on the, right on the fly shift to, what are you going to do, wait till the next truck shows up in a week or two? <laughs> well, so. to, to build on that, though, I, I think the thing that's, that's really important to note is uh, we don't have to sell anybody that information. Most uh, retailers, most organizations, they have that. Um, whether they're crunching the numbers in, in you know, a, a more old-fashioned fashion on Excel spreadsheets or whether they've got, you know, a, an automated way to do it. If you're a retailer with more than a couple uh, locations, you know, you know, when X is out, Y sells. When it rains, this sells. When, you know, it's sunshine or we're in the middle of summer, this sells. Uh, and there's two ways you can go about that. You can either manually do it, which is going to take a, a, a significant significantly larger amounts of manpower, significantly larger amounts of cash, uh, just an overall larger investment. Or you can take the data you have, find a way to tie that into a messaging system and automate it. And that's that's really where the industry needs to head or where as a customer, yeah, there's a little bit of cost up front, but man, can that pay off on the back end by not having to invest that time and effort into doing something that your organization inherently knows. Right. And then you've got to to build on paths. You've also got compliance yeah just because you've got somebody in corporate running okay quick let's get these posters done or whatever end cap displays and get them out to the stores how long is it sitting in the back oh forever i worked in retail in high school yeah that stuff sat in boxes forever because we didn't want to put it up by the time (laughs) it goes out it's over right i managed you know i managed a higher-end retailer in the northeast a long while ago and, uh, you know, it, it goes to customer satisfaction, too, especially if you've got content that's or not content or advertisement or anything that's up on the screen that's no longer relevant. Um, you know, if you think about the last time you were in a store buying something and you picked it up and it was on sale based on the tag, then you get up there and they said, oh, no, it's not on sale right. anymore. Uh, nine out of 10 times they're going to give it to you because it's a customer satisfaction thing. But you've already had that sort of experience of, well, they didn't seem to know and they had to, you know. That is solved with this type of application because you're able to say this ends December 5th at 12.01, and it's going to do that. Um, So there's a lot less of that, well, we have to solve the problem with customer service afterwards. It's just a more organic, easy customer experience. Uh, And again, we talk about it in terms of retail, but, you know, that really goes for 
organizations, even like us, you know, we just got through our open enrollment period. Um, you know, I didn't know that we had until five o'clock yesterday, not really Friday, which was the date that they were telling everybody um, that they could fill that out. You know, an organization as big as us with as many buildings as we have, uh, all HR has to do is push a button to make that messaging go out in a timely fashion and really hit the goals that they've been telling everybody in email that, you know, frankly, we probably all ignored. Right. I actually, I, I went in, but since we're talking about this, I went in at like two o'clock on Friday because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to forget to do this and I have to do it because I need like, I went a whole year without putting childcare expense, like <laughs> tell me about it. Toby's <laughs> given me a look. <laughs> well, Toby, you have like eight kids, right? <laughs> uh, but I like, I, for some reason last year, just didn't even, you know, I have a two-year-old. I, I didn't even think about it last year, but being able to set, you know, $5,000 aside for, for dependent care, whatever, daycare. Um, I logged in and then it said, oh, you have till, you know, Monday at five o'clock. And I'm like, Monday? I'm all stressed out. If I had just known I had till Monday. But we know why they do that because people like me at two o'clock on, yeah. on the Friday, not getting could, it in. Could have been 3.30 maybe on Friday, you know. I, maybe. <laughs> not that I'm speaking for myself, of course. But. The, and I reminded a few people, so you're welcome, those of you who are listening. Um, but I, I, I want to kind of talk about the, you know, when we look at it from an organizational perspective or even a retail uh, communication, like an advertising perspective. When you guys first start working with somebody, sort of what are, what's the first question you're asking them? Or what's the, you know, how do you identify what their their goals are to know what the most effective digital signage strategy actually is. I think most conversations start with, hey, we're looking at digital signage. A lot of times they come in and they start talking about tech and we'll try to put the brakes on them instantly. Like what kind of screens they want and yeah, right. you know, hey, we, we stuff, you know, yeah. I was at Costco this weekend and I saw this great 85 inch and if I put that in my showroom or I put that in my <laughs> lobby or whatever and then we're, we you know, we stop them right there and say, well, what, what's your goal? What are you, what are you trying to do? Oh, well, I just want to put up digital signage. And, you know, if I do that, then my business will grow and da, 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 da. And it's like, no, what's your, you know, tell me, what do you do? You know, what's your pain point? Uh, do you have people sitting in your lobby for 15 to 20 minutes getting bored? Some people walk out, you know, do you have, you know, a retailer where you're trying to focus in on what's current, what's hip, whatever. Do you are you a retailer and you need to educate your associates? You know, the bulletin board in the back room, make it electronic, make it so yeah, that the outdated the, em employee rights and right. that poster from nineteen. Here's the latest tra yeah. training guide, you know. It's like it can be all electronic. You can track your compliance, mm -hmm. you can, you know, tie into the data analytics in the front of the store, see heat mapping. Hey, wow, you know, we talked about how you can walk around the store and be able to be tracked without even having an app. Well, if you set it up correctly in the back office, you can actually have it set up so somebody could just hit a button and look at it in the store at an associate level and go, huh, nobody ever goes over into the ski glove section. Or everybody lingers over in the sweater section, whatever. So the, the concepts of the in data that you can integrate is just huge. And I have to comment because I was in the operations uh, uh, part of, of my, the retail organization that I worked for for a long time. And that data in particular, if you're a retail operations people or a person, that is your 
world, right. the heat maps. Where does it? Where do they live? How do people get in? How do you know? Did they take a left or a right when they come in? Um, and that is all available now. Um, so deciding how to flow the store, how to where to put signage, where to put those things, um, all comes from that same place. It's just it, it's magic to see that now. I, it kind of makes me disappointed. I'm not in retail except around Christmas. <laughs> you but, mean July? <laughs> exactly. But back to your point, the, if you're not solving a pain point, the signage strategy in general is going to fail. It needs to have a goal. It needs to be set up with clear, measurable guidelines and, and, and results. And then probably just as often, the, the, the two next most important things are the software, how you're going to control it, and logistics. Two of those, if they're not appropriately looked at, considered and obviously applied, it's going to fail. You're right. going to walk into a building, whether it be retail or otherwise, and you're going to see a giant display on the wall, and it's going to be black, or it's going to say window corruption, or it's going to say, you know, and it's all about how you control the content that you've created, that you've spent the time to strategize about to do it correctly and then deploy and set it up so that it plays back in a measurable way during the right times of day and things like that. And if you don't do that, it's not going to work. Right. It's going to become, I mean, we have some examples, you know, even here that where we just have basically a slideshow set up and it's the content that needs to be communicated. Oh, Toby, way to throw us under the I bus. Know, but <laughs> hey, yeah, not everybody's perfect. Um, but yeah, if you don't, create the content correctly to create the engagement, you're going to not gain anything out of it. Right. It's going to end up being just another thing that's ignored. There's so much you can do with it that we have to start with what do they want to do? What do they need to do around their pain points? That's how they're going to get their ROI. That's how they're going to get their engagement and then move on. How are they going to control it? And then the logistics of deploying it. So uh, in the in the retail setting, I'm fascinated by the the heat map concept in retail operations that I um, I worked for a small retail chain uh, right out of college and their whole obsession was store flow. <laughs> like when a customer walks in, I mean, they had some bigger issues like would not even having the right product um, where it needed to be or what customers were looking for. But heat mapping, I I think from a retail perspective and knowing where people are going and where they're not going is that, you know, we, you say the tech, so the, the screen, but when you're building a solution is, is that on like a cloud software side? Is that a camera side? Is that like, how does that all, if I'm a retailer and I want to know where my customers are going and where they're not going without looking through camera footage, how does that integrate together? to get me that data, you know, with a digital signage solution. Well, there's a whole bunch of ways to do that. Um, the heat mapping stuff is generally Wi-Fi equipment. Uh, most of the major manufacturers will have that built in. Uh, it's typically a feature you have to kind of activate because not everybody's a retailer and not everybody cares. Um, but the general data that you pull like that, it's, it's all Wi-Fi based. Uh, how many times you've been in, whether you have an application or not. Because again, it's collecting your MAC address. As you mm -hmm. ping the router to say, here's my MAC address. Do you have Wi-Fi? Yes, I do. They're collecting that. You've been in five times. You've never logged into their Wi-Fi. They know you've been there five times. Uh, and they can tell roughly where you've been in the store. So that's how 
most of that basic data is collected is through a Wi-Fi router, oh, okay. uh, which was which is why every retailer now offers Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought they were just being nice, Pat. Sadly, no. Um, <laughs> So it, I could download my coupon. Yeah. But to get deeper than that, I mean, quite a few retailers, uh, QSRs or QuickServe restaurants, your you know, Dunkin' Donuts, Chipotle's of the world, uh, are adding cameras in. And, and behind that are facial recognition. And it's it's very basic. It's not as invasive as probably we want to believe it is, but it, it knows roughly how old you are, whether you're male or female, um, you know, and it has the data, some of the other data correlated with it. So again, weather, you know, date, time of year, that sort of thing. Um, so that can be used to say, okay, well, on this side of the store, men and women age 40 tend to stop here, but not, you know, age 20. This is, you know, and then you go over there and it's like a KitchenAid mixer or something like that, you know, something specific to that age group. So it gives you some information of who is stopping where. And again, that's before we download the application, before we get into your personal data. That's just, you've walked into our store, we have cameras everywhere. Um, one of the, the, the best test cases I think I ever saw, and I don't know if they implemented it, was uh, Intel was working with uh, Levi's. Um, and they put a store up at, at one of the, and this was actually at NRF, um, and they built it so that you would walk into the store and they could show you the back end while someone was running through this of, okay, well, we know this is Pat McCusker. He's 38 and he you know is about five foot 10. And they had metrics like that on you. So when you go over and you pick up a pair of jeans, inside of the tag for the jeans, they had an RFID tag embedded. So if you take that pair of jeans, you go over to the dressing room, you try them on, put them back. You didn't like them. They know who you are. They know roughly how old you are, roughly your height and weight. Uh, but if that didn't fit, what's the next uh, type you tried on? So they're able to then go back and check the product and say, okay, for people of this height and size, did we get it wrong? Uh, and they'll know if you bought it because they're tracking that product through the store using that tag. And again, no application required. When you download the application, that's when it gets crazy. I gotta be honest with you. As a consumer, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> and as a woman who has to buy jeans, it equally doesn't bother me. Like, cause they have got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <For a lot. laughs> but I, um, I see the, like, the fear of it, like the, yeah. the, the information being collected, but at the same time, I think we're a society that so freely gives our information yeah. and we have not had a single really issue with, we, I'm looking at the table and on the, the yeah. windowsill here, we all have our phones out. Um, I'm sure we're all going to be getting advertisements about digital signage <laughs> when we finish up here. Um, but it, it doesn't bother me on a, on a consumer level. I think the only thing that, you know, cause it's, it's enhancing, it's making my life easier. Um, it's enhancing my shopping experience. It's letting retailers know when they do have it wrong and why we're not buying their things. So it's kind of mutually beneficial for both the retailer and the consumer. I think where, I get kind of nervous about it is all of the data that is being collected, you know, um, and Target was infamous for this, is when your financial information starts to be breached and starts to kind of get into the hands of other people. And so that's the only thing that I kind of see from a, you know, a from personally a worrisome aspect is with all of this data through Wi-Fi and pinging your phone and collecting um, is the how vulnerable we are to maybe other threats that we're not thinking about. Is that part of the conversation you have with customers or, or, or they just don't care because they want all the data and do as much as they want with it? Not as much. 
I, I mean, in, inside of this type of application, we don't tend to have a lot of sensitive data um, for signage. If you were talking POS, you know, point of sale, mm-hmm. um, yeah, maybe, because then you're talking credit card numbers and, and, and stuff like that. But where we live is sort of outside of that system. Most of the data that's collected is either A, freely given through an application, and it's really designed to target advertisements, not to pay for things or personal information, that sort of thing. Um, so it's not not a concern, but it's less of a concern with our area simply because of the nature of what we're doing. We're advertising. We're not really selling. When it gets to the POS pieces of it, you know, you've got all sorts of manners of compliance like PCI compliance that you right. are required to have to take those credit cards so that you have that level of security. And we do have partners that do that. Um, so, you know, really it boils down to the software and how you interact with it. Um, so we find that that a lot of our partners are very security focused and will have those those certifications regardless of whether they even need them. Just so people can say it has that, you know, has the, had the, has the word on the box so I can trust it. Yeah, because I, I, you know, we just uh, finished up not too long ago, uh, you know, a whole security series on and endpoint devices is was a huge topic. And so my, you know, when a customer says I'm looking to have tech come in, because I saw this big giant smart TV, that smart TV is an IoT device. And those Apple um, devices are IoT devices. So they're, they're able to ping data, get in. So is that an entry? I guess that's my question. Is that an entry point that is a topic of concern? I don't know how forceful I should be on this point, but any business that's putting consumer uh, tech in their business uh, is asking for trouble. Um, If you're putting a smart TV made for your home in your business, you are asking to be hacked. Um, You can pull up an article for Roku for um, uh, the, and I don't want to mention any partners specifically, but pretty much every TV manufacturer has had their smart system hacked in one way or another, um, whether it's they have access to your network through it or whether they have access to change your screens on it. You've paid for that investment. That's something that sounds very simple. Um, but if you walk around and all your screens are dark, how much is that costing you for those screens being black? Um, you know, an example that uh, someone gave uh, me at Cedia, which is a, a, a consumer electronics show a few weeks ago, um, they were a remote control company, and he handed me a remote control about the size of the key fob of your car. Um, and you can walk around with it and just cycle through all the remote codes and shut off any consumer TV. There's no way to, to stop it. Wow. I didn't not test it out in Hard Rock Cafe the other day. It works perfectly. <laughs> so <laughs> you've got these investments. Again, I mean, if, if you when, when I started doing the math on how much they paid for those displays, it's a few thousand dollars. And then the people that paid for the ads on them that are no longer running, that's a few hundred dollars. Right. Add that up and it just gets crazy, not counting the security problem with it. So when we design these systems, we do not use consumer gear. It's just not, it's not worth the trouble that, 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 that uh, is inherent in that, in that system. They're made to be connected to. They're made to be in your house. They want connections um, from, from your personal devices, yeah. from your network. So They're completely yeah, open. Exactly. I mean, they're, they're designed so from the manufacturers so that anybody from any device can hit it. You don't have to be, exactly. you know. That's uh, why I can just log Mr. into Robot Roku on my TV yeah, and it's immediately it. connected to my device. Precisely. Exactly. So that's a, and I, I think that's a great thing to clarify, especially as we're talking about retail and healthcare and education. 
and all of those areas is that federal government is you're not, you know, you might have seen a nice, pretty big screen um, sitting in Costco last week, but that is not the same screen that will go into your overall digital signage um, solution and strategy. Security issues. You've got issues with they're just not designed to be in that application. I mean, most businesses are going to be open at least 10 hours a day, probably 16, depending on workforce and things like that could be 24. Commercial displays are designed and to be, they have heat sinks, they can dissipate the heat. Um, everything about a consumer TV, especially the, the really, um, I listened to the podcast recently, so I know sexy is appropriate for these. Yes. Um, they're really <laughs> sexy TVs that are super thin and look like glass and something out of a sci-fi flick or something. Mm-hmm. They have like zero heat dissipation. They're not designed to be sitting there running 16 hours yeah. a day ready to cook an egg. Um, they're just going to fail. Um, over time, you're going to get colors. We've got examples of, of deployments that were done with consumer televisions. I mean, all of us are geeks because we walk around the, the whole team, all six of us, and we're always Instagramming, um, sorry, texting um, <laughs> images of failed deployments. You know, hey, check this out. You know, and you walk in, and it's got the the screens are all five different colors, and it looks like they've got some sort of camera photo sepia filter on them or something and it's just because it was the wrong tech the wrong tech so um i it's a good segue you guys have a great team here at connection um to kind of look at the technology that's being used the strategy behind where that technology is going how it integrates with the data um specifically in retail we've talked a lot about um so next steps for someone who's interested in kind of having this strategy conversation how do they get a hold of you and sort of what's the first step uh probably one of the easiest ways i mean pop on the website look under solutions it's the second tab in from the left over from products and you will find the digital signage practice from there we've got uh basic information or always trying to update it keep it fresh um and then there's also a a contact form so you can go up there and fill it out or you can call any of our subsidiaries and asked to speak to one of the digital signage experts. Excellent. So if you are out there and you are wanting to uh, get more information on how to build out your strategy, like Toby said, visit www.connection.com and uh, head on over to our digital signage landing page or reach out to your account manager or account executive and we will get you in touch with Toby and Pat's team. Uh, Toby and Pat, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I um, am super intrigued by the whole data, artificial intelligence, analytics piece of this and how um, our retail-specific customers can really start leveraging um, more of uh, this solution and strategy to grow their business. So thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thank you.